Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. Join America's leading relationship expert, top holistic life coach, and best-selling author, Dr. D. Yvonne Young, along with a diverse team of regular commentators, experts, and celebrity guests. Be entertained while being informed on the issues that affect you most. Don't miss it. Dr. D. Yvonne Young, providing you the tools you need to start living a profoundly extraordinary life. Good evening, America. Today is February the 23rd, 2018. Glad to have you with me. I think the weather around the country is definitely taking a toll for the best. Um, I know in Houston today, we actually had 70 degrees. I talked to people in New York. Uh, they had 50 degrees. I talked to people in San Francisco and around the country. So it appears that at least for a moment, we are out of the threat, but from what I understand, you're going to have to bundle up probably a little later this week, but hopefully not as much. Today, we have a great show in store for you, and it's one that I'm very anxious to do. Um, I know when my producer was talking to me about doing something uh, that was going to go outside of the norm, I made the decision. I said, well, you know what? I want to do a series this year based on your request. And speaking of your request, if you guys do have a suggestion for a show that makes sense, please don't call and tell me to do a show that's hood or, you know, something throwed, because I just might do it. But the, the truth is, hit Julia at com if you have some of those ideas that you feel are questions that you don't want people to hear you ask, I uh, I made a commitment this year, 2014, that this would be dedicated toward using the laws of attraction, manifesting desires and growth, and that's what I want to talk about tonight. We have been positioned in 2014 to do that which has never been done, to explore parts of our being that have been long awaiting contact from you. Yes, I do mean you. Going back to that statement I made the other day, in one spiritual text it says, I knew you before you were ever established in your mother's womb. And I, I want to take it there tonight. As we look through the corridors of life, if you are over 30 years old, and even if you're not, depending on what you've lived, there are so many places where there is an, a plethora of evidence that your life is not really under your control. Here's what I mean by such. When we reflect on all of the things that have been done very well in our lives, we had little, if anything, to do with that manifestation. There were things that you planned, and I mean you went out your way and planned with great, uh, just all, just micromanagement almost, that down to, and, and, you know, this week I'm going to do that, and that week I'm going to do this, and none of that mess worked. <laughs> you know, you, you sat down and planned it all out, and then stuff you didn't even plan, you were just stumbling along like baby Huey, and plop, there you go. You fell right into the midst of a blessing, a blessing or a manifestation that you did not earn, you didn't even deserve, and there it is right in your face. That is all well and good, but wouldn't it be nice if we could change our lives from being the result of happenstance and from being the result of change or being the result of something that we just ended inadvertently stumbling into. Well, tonight, before I bring my guest on, I'm going to have a quick discussion about you about manifestation. Did you know 
that 24-7, you are always manifesting something wonderful. As a matter of fact, this really gets deep. Each thought that you have creates an energy flow within and around everything that you determine to be physical. Here's what I mean by physical. The circumstances, the situations, the people, the place where you are right now, your energy attracted that to you. And I'm even talking about those of you that may be locked up or mentally incarcerated, meaning there are no bars outside of you, but you're being held hostage by old thoughts and things that have long placed. Well, I'll give you an example. When you think something as simple as uh, this sucks, well, what happens right after that? Hell, everything around you starts to suck. You start to suck. People start to suck. The very things that you want for yourself suck when you get them. They don't add up to being exactly what you want. Uh, here's a good, another one. Have you ever gotten out the, out the bed? And when you get out the bed that morning, you turn around and hit your foot on the side of your bed. After you do that, your pinky toe, you damn near feel like you broke it. You get in the shower, you get out, and for you ladies, you, you jack your hair up. You uh, fellas, you look up, you put your shirt on, the button pops off. I mean, from that morning, then you get to in traffic, you don't catch not one light. You get to the office, somebody comes by with something that you didn't create, now it's your problem. If you notice something, the energy that you emit attracts likened circumstances to you. You know, the opposite experience occurs when you think high-level thoughts, though. A good example of this, when you think you are having a good time, doesn't a good time typically just get better? I mean, you, you hear us use the term, I am on a roll. And when you exude this energy, this confidence, and you find yourself being in a good mood and you're smiling and people be like, you're having a good day today, and you go, yeah, I am. And even folks that you probably don't like, they even spoke to you. You spoke to them. You didn't take the time to think about how jacked up you feel about them, but every thought you think creates and brings the likened form of energy into your experience. Now, here's where we get crazy. Manifestation has become such a buzzword lately that, you know, I think it's really cool that, the, uh, that people are talking about the laws of attraction. And Edgar Cayce, uh, you know, you can go all the way back that, Eckhart Tolle and the Power of Now, Wayne Dyer, the Laws of Attraction, Elizabeth Hay at Hay House talks about using affirmations. I mean, uh, even me, Devon Young, another chance, where would you be without one? All of us are being guided by forces greater than ourselves that are basically saying to humanity, such a time is now. Such a time is now. And for whatever reason and purpose, that greater collective consciousness is inspiring even ministries to stop being so shady. I mean, I've been watching more ministers, thank God, lately, come out and, you know, uh, admit, you know what, I'm jacked up too. Well, thank you, because those of you that are actually having the courage to admit that God is not religious, I applaud you because he's not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go even deeper with this. Religion is the excuse, uh, and especially doctrination. I, I laugh at this. One of the most divided places you will find on Sunday morning is churches. You will find more separatism. You will find more bigotry, racism across, especially in the hypocritical United States. And I love my country, but we some hypocritical asses in this country. Um, you find all this division because people are saying, well, uh, if the women wear church uh, pants, they're going to go to hell. One of them is saying, you know, the gay folks can't come over here and worship because they're going to hell. And, well, you know, if you uh, marry a Christian and a Muslim, the child is going to be damned to hell. I mean, there's all of this misguided crap out there when the truth is simply this. You are going to attract exactly what you resonate in energy. There's a phrase in, in the Christian Bible that says, as a man thinks, so is he. 
And that's what creates and brings out the champion in you, right? Now, I'm going to give you a, a little quick study and some miracles, and hopefully if I can't finish this uh, tonight, we will get uh, tapped into this. I'm going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, doing the show live from Atlanta on Wednesday, but I want, I want to talk about this. Miracles... And I, I want you to really, if you have that pen and paper, I always tell you, when you listen to the show, have a pen and paper. You're going to get good stuff. Everything that you get in your life, you have asked for it in some way, shape, or form, right? Your intentions create your reality. Yes, I don't care who you are. Whatever you intended, you manifest. Now, here's evidence. Think back. Look at the last seven years of your life. In the last seven years, whatever was the fruit of your focus, the object of your desire, wherever the apple was in your proverbial eye, today you are living that. You know, like that little big head, funny looking kid you got, but that dude you don't like, that woman you don't like, five to seven years ago, for some of y'all, it was just ten months ago, for some of you guys, it was ten years ago, you were looking at their daddy or their mother, and you were thinking about getting your boogity-woogity on, and now here's little Ray Ray in there burning up and tearing up your car, right? It was a thought. Thoughts become things, you know? Another thing is look at where you're living. Look at what you're doing right now. I don't care if you're sitting up working on a term paper, a dissertation, uh, getting ready to go to court, getting ready to go to work tomorrow, all of what you are experiencing right now at one point was a thought. And that thought motivated you emotionally to such a degree that you energized it and put some action behind it. Now, for those of you that are dealing with some, let's just say, some ghetto stuff right now, I want to use another term, but Julia will slap my hand, so I'm not going to use that term, but just the initials NS, and you can whatever you want to make that become. But there is no need to beat yourself up. But even simply recognizing how your low-level thoughts negatively affect your life is a powerful first step toward changing the experiences that are tandem to your life today. Now, question is, Dr. D, what do I do? to begin manifesting better outcome in my life? How, how do I stop, you know, if your life is backed up, and even if your life is good but it could be better, you have to ask yourself, what can I do right now to begin manifesting outcomes that I truly desire? Here, step one. Let's get honest about your low-level thoughts. Let's get honest about your energy and your feelings of disbelief that block you from receiving whatever you desire. Matter of fact, I'm you, it's so funny. I was uh, being interviewed in a show, and I'm not going to name the show, but it was uh, Night in America and not too long ago. And, and the person, one guy calls in with facts, and he says, you know, this law of attraction thing, mate, I, I just don't get it because I don't believe in it, and all I have is bad luck. We're dummy, I think, you know, and that's just what I said, term, being a rude American, and to my friends in the Virgin Islands in the U.K., and, you know, I already know you guys are tripping off that statement. Yes, I, you know, you know me. We get thrown, but I told dude, I said, look at you. That, listen to you right now. You sound like a ball roach. A scorched cat. I mean, you're sitting up here calling into a station and to a program in front of millions of people, then you're going to say the laws of attraction don't work for you because you don't have nothing but bad luck. They are working for you, dude. They are working for you. And I'm going to say to those of you that are stuck on stupid like my boy, they are working for you when all you have is negative crap going on in your life. Like attracts like. And if you get up thinking, you know what, the world's not fair. You know, all black people do this, all white folks do that, all women, all men, and everything that is spewing forth from your spigot 
is nothing but this dark negative energy. It is no wonder that your behind is sitting up there having nothing but blocks, and you are blocking yourself via disbelief. You're blocking yourself via stupidity, and you are receiving exactly what you resonate. Another example, some people say, well, you know, I, I want I, when I can well, I want to get the big money. You know, I don't have no problem getting a couple of hundred dollars. I want that big money. The reason your behind is broke is you've made that money so big, it's big, remember? Let me tell you something. It is just as much effort in the universe to manifest a toothpick as it is for it to manifest a tree. The universe has no issue with manifestation of wealth. As a matter of fact, I taught on this uh, a few months ago, and I was telling you there is no such thing as money. There is only the evidence of a reflection of belief in money, and it comes out in terms of what you consider to be your worth or your value. So if you always perceive, you know what, uh, rich people always, and you just excluded yourself when you said rich people. You didn't say we. So now... If you're not in that other group, by default, you just put yourself in the poor group, right? Or think about it like this. When money gets to a certain level, it returns to being pure energy. It becomes an electronic measurement, an electronic currency. And if you don't believe me, go and get about a million dollars in cash and see what you can do with it. You're going to have to spend it in little increments because you can't deposit it nowhere because real money is electronic. Real money you cannot carry in your pocket. Some chump change, a few hundred dollars, yes, you can carry that all day. But see, this disbelief that you have about what you deserve in life is keeping you from getting it. I hear women say, you know, Dr. D, when can I get a man? I want a man in my life. I want, I want. Okay, what are you saying? You are saying, I lack a man in my life. I lack. So I'm going to give you something. Once you get clear and you become realistic about the roadblocks, about the mental and emotional blocks, the stumbling blocks that you have in your mental real estate, you know that, that uh, for some of us, it's, you know, they say the more wrinkled up your brain is, the more you've used it. If some people's brains look like an iron sheet, but we're going to fix that for you tonight. When you look at the way that you think, let's clean up the thoughts because it all starts after emotion come feelings and then thoughts and thoughts become things. That's right. Thoughts become things. You can begin to clear this up when you clear space and start being aware of the negative things that you're saying and thinking. That's right. How can you deal with a problem until you admit that that problem is really there? When people, I'm, I'll give you something. A big thing that um, someone was saying to me in my office the other day is, you know, Doc, how do you do it? How do you just stay focused? And I say, you know, I never pay attention to what I see. And the question is saying, well, how in the hell do you do that? I say, it's real simple. When you try to manifest, sometimes it's you try too hard. Steve Drayton, the movie producer, was on my show Wednesday with Melba Moore. And you guys, if you missed that show, you definitely need to go listen to the archive. But Steve made a comment. He said, you know, when I ask God for something, I trust that he's going to give it to me, and I don't ask him two or three times. And he checked me because, hey, you, I'm going to tell you, I'm being straight. I do that mess. I will ask God for stuff over and over. And I'll be, well, I, let, let me change that up. I, let me tell you how I really jack myself around because some of you may be doing the same thing. I will pray, and I don't pray in asking. I pray in thanksgiving. So I'm like, God, thank you for blessing me with blank. And, and I'll say that every – I'll just be redundant with it. And the universe is saying, okay, well, you keep thanking me for something. Does that mean that you just doubt I'm going to give it to you? Because I remember when my daughter, my youngest daughter, was a baby. She was about four years old. And we would go, I would take it to the grocery store, and we'd pass by these, like these, you know, those yellow and red-looking apples. I don't know the name of them, but they're really sweet. And my daughter said, ooh, Daddy. 
those apples look good, don't they, Daddy? And I'd be like, yeah. And she'd say, yeah, Daddy, you probably want one, don't you? And I would look at her and say, Bria, are you saying that because you want one of those apples? Yeah, Daddy, I want one. Well, why didn't you just ask? And that's what the universe is saying. Why don't you just ask? And then after you do, let it go because the universe will never tell you no. God will never tell you no. He may he may not answer you or he may tell you to wait, but he did not say no. He knows the time to release to you what you need. But see, the problem with many of us is many people focus too much on manifestation based on what they see. That's big. Write that down. I don't have to see it to manifest it. Matter of fact, for those of you religious zealots out there and those of you that are somewhat scholastic and know the spiritual word, it says call those things that are not as though they are. Or one thing, it says in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Then he spoke, then he said, well, check, it, check this out. Whose image are you created in? Think about that. So if God's manifestation begins with utterance, what is coming? What are you speaking unto yourself? You know, I've learned something. I put myself in a position for deliberate manifestation on a regular basis. And here's how I do it. The first thing that you will find uh, that I do is I will declare a set of circumstances or a situation. If I don't see the evidence of um, what I see in my circumstances, and I'm going to be even more transparent with you, America, the last three weeks went by, and I've been saying to my team and, uh, you know, to myself and, and in prayer going, you know what, I am so ready for God to do his thing with my brand and, and help it to expand. So what happened, I end up getting all of these wonderfully talented people sent my way, you know, uh, Preston Middleton with Nexus, uh, Electronic Media and Mark Gamble and all these, I mean, top-of-the-line people come in. And when they come in, Everyone has answers to questions that I did not know to ask. Now, that is a motto. It is a slogan for my brand, but I'm living it now, right? So when this happens, all of a sudden my business in terms of some clients coming, the phone is steady ringing, and all of a sudden I'm going, well, you know, my what happened the last couple of weeks, I'm getting all these phone calls and, and I'm getting all these invites to do stuff, and my client activity is slacking up. So I call my mentor up and I ask him, I'm like, what's going on here? And he said, well, what have you been wanting and intending? I said, I want the brand to grow. He said, well, how in the hell are you going to record audio books and videos and be in the studio and doing all of those things that you do if you are busy, stuck in your office? And that's when the light went off. The internal condition was off, I was off track, and I had to learn that if I am going to have manifestation take place, and I'm going to have that vision come to fruition, I need to redirect what I am energizing within. The minute that I did that, I'm talking, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the minute that I did that, that which I sought, that which I desired, began to get legs under it and take flight. And here's a perspective I want you to understand. What is important for you now is your internal experience. Whatever you choose, be it something you love or fear, when you commit to that internal experience of love, what do you attract? More love. When you admit and commit to an internal experience of fear, what do you get? More fear. And this is what uh, my guest is going to be on this uh, show in a few minutes. George Foreman, um, as we well know, was just one hell of a boxer. I mean, this, this dude fought Larry Holmes. He fought Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier. I mean, the dude was, was a beast in and, and every sense of the word in that ring. 
But apples don't fall far from the tree, right? And part of his experience, and I remember hearing an interview uh, with him, you know, about how he felt, and he felt ostracized in some ways, uh, especially with the fights against Ali and the things that were going on in Africa and what have you know, and, and the things that when I listened to his experience, his his manifestation was centered around his family and his relationship with being a great father and creating legacy. And he internalized this passion with such fervor that he had sons. And, and I always get a laugh out of this. George named all of his sons George. I mean, you know, that sounds like a Devon Young move right there. That's like me. Well, I'm not going to lie. All of my boys have the name Derek in their name, right, which is what the D stands for. So I don't know, maybe being George or Ken folk. But at the end of the day, when I look at manifesting and what we commit our experience to, we bring the fruition. So tonight, before I get into these five principles, what we're going to do is I have the pleasure of George Mock. Foreman, George III, joining me. And we're going to talk about manifestation, and we're going to talk about passion and what seeds you plant and how you, and where you plant and knowing when to plant so that the things that you want out of life, the things that you seek, the things that you dare to explore, that you dare to find, will come your way. And what we're going to do is talk about that um, we're going to talk about that with George Foreman, and we're going to talk about that roughly in about, how about the next 50 seconds? You're listening to Conversations with Dr. Devon Young. We'll be right back with George Foreman. This song is dedicated to special, unique people like me. Outcast, but you never cast out. Loving what I see when the mirror looks at me Cause I, I imagine me in a place With no insecurities and I'm finally happy Cause I imagine me letting go Of all of the ones who hurt me Cause they never did deserve we're back. This is Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young, and I have my man, Mark, in the house, Mr. George Foreman III. What's good with it, George? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for taking time out of uh, what we know is a very busy schedule with you being the champion and the architect behind that George Foreman brand. How are you doing tonight? I'm having a great time, man. It's a it's a quiet Sunday. Um, spent half the day, um, you know, training people in my my gym up in uh, in Boston, and got a chance to leave around two o'clock today. So I got a, a little break. I can uh, always happy when I get a chance to do that. Yeah, I, one thing I wanted to talk to you about. I've been doing this series um, over the last few weeks on manifestation, and the the thing that I'm really just so that's so beautiful is I get to do this and talk to someone that is part of a living, living an ongoing legacy. Typically, one's name can do one or two things. It can create a shadow so it can cast a shadow so long that you never can find yourself with outside of that shadow, or it can condemn you. In your case, you you started just almost morphing into something that was already there, but you took it way further than where it began. Tell us about monk, meaning, because a lot of people don't know that, you know, that's your, that's your nickname, but tell us what it was like when you're growing up in a household with a larger-than-life figure and you realize as a young man that, you know what, I am George Foreman, but I'm my own version of my dad. What? How did you decide that it it was it was you? But there was something even greater than the name you were given inside you. 
You know, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you know, when you go to school, you go to college, you go to your, your basketball games, even if you're in a, a local league, you go to um, restaurants and they see the name on your credit card or even before you're of age, everywhere you go, everyone expects you to be kind of, you know, if you see a, a tree, you know what type of tree it is and you see the branch, you know they go together. They expect you to be kind of a branch of the tree and, you know, they're expecting a big smile. They're expecting a jovial character, maybe an athlete. Um, they're expecting someone who, whatever they do, they'll excel to the level of, you know, where they, where they place that person. Um, and it's funny with my father, by the time I was of age where I, I really understood what was going on with the world around, you know, maybe 13, 14, 15, we really started paying attention. At that time, he had been a successful boxer two times over, world champion, um, a successful minister, uh, an author, um, been in movies, TV shows, and a successful entrepreneur. So it was kind of the pressure was, <laughs> from all angles, the pressure was on. It's like you need to be a, a good Christian, upstanding citizen, um, and so on and forth, so forth. If it's business, you better be successful. If it's sports, you know you got to be successful. That's how it all started. Um, all these things they expect of you, and you just don't want to let them down. So um, I, I'll be, I'd be lying to tell you it's not a tall order. Um, the, but the thing is that, that we grew up with where you know, I didn't really have a lot of time to really focus on it was that I was more, always more, um, more worried about disappointing my father. Um, and I think a lot of kids uh, or, or people who grow up in these shadows, they're you know, concerned with um, you know, letting down the public or letting down their friends, their peers, I was more, like I said, worried about letting down my father. Even in school, they were like, who can fight? You know, let's see if he can fight. Every school I go to, first, day I, first week I had to fight a kid, and I'd always just become a good bluff artist, you know, find a way to bluff my way out or have my friends back, you know, have my back, only because I was more afraid of what would happen to me when I went home <laughs> if I got in trouble for fighting than the actual bully. Uh, I, I felt like no matter what happened with him, what happened when I went home because I was fighting win or lose would be ten times worse. And so I think that's what helped balance it out. My focus was on can't let dad down, can't embarrass dad, et cetera, and, and can't ruin his reputation. This is how we put food on the table. So I didn't even get to really focus on the pressures of everybody looking at me. It just wasn't on my mind. It was, you know, maybe third or fourth on the list. So I have, to really give him, I have to give him credit for that. I, that. That just takes me to really where I wanted to go with this. You know, you had never boxed, to my understanding, until you were like 24 years old. And, and right. knowing that, and then knowing that, you know, you were a big kid, you were an overweight kid, you yep. were more than 280 pounds. And, and it's at that point, this is where a lot of the listeners, you know, this is a global show. You've got people in like four, just four continents listening to you right now, millions of people. And what I would like for you to address is this. As you are talking right now, there is some kid that is stuck in a situation, or maybe even an adult, where they are trying to outdistance, if it's a girl, the reputation for being promiscuous or the freak of the week, or if it's a guy trying to live up to what the crowd expects so he doesn't have to look like the square because, you know, it's not cool or to make it or to that uh, brother that's trying to call himself more than, you know, he is saying he's a senior accountant at a company when, in fact, he's just a clerk or whatever. What do you say to people when they are trying to live up to a facade rather than accepting who they are and taking it from there? You know, living up to a facade, being something you're not, it only lasts so long. It's kind of a quick thing um, to flash in the pan. And, you know, if you're going to do that, you better make sure the results you're seeking are huge and they come quick and you don't go to jail because uh, those are the risks usually if they come quick and they're large. Otherwise, they'll be fleeting and not worth the trouble of putting on the facade. Um, and you waste so much time doing it that if you had spent that time and effort in actually being what you're putting on to be, you might actually accomplish it. Um, and that's hard because, you know, everyone, these, these social pressures of living up to what they see on TV and what successful means. I know it's tough, but, uh, you know, I always say anything that's bad um, doesn't matter. It's going to come to an end. 
if if a person you don't need to tell a person stop smoking one day they will stop smoking i can promise you that they'll be 42 or they'll be 88 at some point it's got to stop because their body can't handle it um drinking womanizing whatever it is all these things come to an end with time and putting on a facade there's an end to that as well um whether it's stress you know uh, you can't keep your lives together whatever it is it's going to come to an end so do yourself a favor and just be you, number one. Number two, the, the, I find the best thing to, to make that uh, possible, it doesn't really start with making a decision within yourself, in my opinion. It starts with surrounding yourself with people who are not interested in your title, who are not interested in what you've accomplished or how much money is in your pocket or what they think is in your bank account or what year your car is. Um, surround yourself with people that are really interested in yourself, and um, that, 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 that's hard to do. It's very hard to do, but don't don't even want the company of someone who's interested in anything but what makes you tick. You know, whether you maybe you like to beat the drum, maybe you like to run, maybe you like being around your family. Whatever it is about you that makes you uniquely you, find people who are interested in that, and if they're not, leave them alone. And it's usually people like that in your life that we all want to hang out with. They're cool or, you know, you think they have something going on and you want them to respect you. It's usually having those type of people in your circle that will make you start leading on these types of lives, um, even women sometimes, trying to please the right, right women or impress the right women. Let, that, let all that go, and what you'll find is it will make a healthier life for yourself. It's the friends and sometimes the family. You know, when, as I listen to you talk, I, I was thinking back in my life. I, I would look back. And, you know, uh, I'm an adopted child. I was born on the poor side of the family, raised on the have, have side and born on the have-nots. And when, even with what I do today, I can connect from my past to my present. So when I looked at you opening this gym and, um, you know, doing a little bit of homework, I know that you went to, uh, to school and as a matter of fact, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, you went to a prep school when you were young in the same area, you opened this gym. And I, what I'm really digging is that you took the boxing, you took where you have been in life, but you did it your way because everybody is expecting, okay, George Foreman's son, uh, okay, you should be whooping Leon Spinks' son. You know, somebody is thinking something <laughs> goofy like that. But the truth of it is, instead of beating beating someone's butt that you could probably easily beat, what you decide is you didn't let you didn't let life beat you. You took where you had been, you took where you wanted to go, and you put these things together, and you got the sense that you know what, I'm going to use. My past, I'm going to use my legacy, and I'm going to use my present. And what I really dig is that you decided, instead of just putting a gym up and whatever, you decided to let the gym be the birthing place or part of the cornerstone in a community. Tell me about that philosophy, philosophy of yours about a great boxing gym is a community. You know what? Um, it, it all starts with, and boxing, boxing brought me the, you know, the idea and the, and the fervor for it because, you know, I've been in the business world, um, and I always knew I, I loved the business because I was helping my father. I was at his hip, and anything I could do to make things work for him and my family, that's what got me up in the morning. Then I got into boxing and found I had a passion for the sport. I love the sport. Anything having to do with it, commentary, writing, talking about it, doing it, performing it, training for it. And, um, but you get tired of training sometimes. You just want to relax and have a normal life. And, um, but I found that training other people, I never got tired of that, ever, because there's always a new person that walks in the door that can start from scratch. And there's so much you can teach them. And number three, training someone to box, whether they fight or not, you can teach them discipline, you can teach them fitness. It's a platform to teach them a number of different things and help them stop bad habits, et cetera. I would come home all the time and tell um, uh, my friends or whoever, you know, I was visiting with that, you know, if I could just do train people for a living, I would just drop boxing in a second. And I'd listen to a, a, um, uh, an interview by Dave Chappelle, and he once told, he said that his, he told his father when he went into comedy, because he comes from a very educated family, that um, 
you know, his dad was like, I don't think you should do comedy. You should just get a degree. And he said, Dad, I think I can be successful. And he said, what do you think that means, et cetera. He said, well, to me, if I can make a teacher salary doing comedy, and when he said teacher salary, he was referring to probably more like $22,000 a year, which is not what most teachers make now. Um, if I could do that doing what I love, making people laugh, I consider that a success. And so I found out what I love is helping people accomplish goals, other people. That's my goal. And if I could just make ends meet, keep my lights on doing that, then I would. Now, how do I do that and do something special and different? There's, you know, great trainers. There's, you know, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to fitness. All these magazines and Google, et cetera. When it comes to eating, there's no new diets. All the paleo diets are actually going back to the way cavemen ate. Cavemen ate. That's what the way people are trying to eat now and raw and vegan and all that. There's nothing new. But how do you get people to do it? And one of the most, to get people to do anything, the best pressure you can put on someone is the pressure of a community. Um, and I had also read studies that just as important as what you eat, when you eat it, how often you exercise, um, as far as how, how it affects your health is community. People can sometimes not eat so healthy, never exercise, but if they're part of a community where they feel welcome and belonging and having fun and feel loved, that will actually help them live just as long, if not longer, than healthy eating and exercise. And these are studies, published studies that show this. And so I said, you know what, how about maybe I can pull, you know, good eating, good fitness, um, all these things together and mask it with the theme of boxing, which is trending at the time. And people think, oh, it's cool, I want to be in a boxing gym. Um, but underneath it all is me kind of playing the, um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the good puppet master and trying to get people to start fusing themselves into a community where when they come here, they're talking about how can I lose some weight, how can I get quicker, how can I get stronger, how can I rehab my back, how can I stop eating grease, how can I learn healthy habits. We have an organic juice bar where we serve food. How can I do all these things? And that's what the conversations are about. How can I um, show up at the gym more? How can I be more consistent? Um, and what you find is you just get people in that community, and the pressures of the community make them take health and fitness serious. They don't need me down their throats. They don't need trainers on them all the time. They just need to show up. And in order to do that, you have to have a place where people want to be. And so that's how that's what got me into fitness is because it's something that I loved, but I wanted to bring back this community feeling. So go back to the boxing, the boxing gyms of old, like you asked. You go into these gyms, everybody's in shape. They all had these little secrets. They all exchanged information, and et cetera, and everybody was in some of the best conditions of any athletes in the world. But it was all because they had these little community meetups, and all they talked about was health and fitness, um, you know, when they weren't talking job talk. So that, that's, that, that's kind of um, what brought me to where I'm at. Um, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't want it to be a place where people were basically renting a machine. I wanted it to be a place where people felt like they were a part of a club, and I charged them something that they could afford. So, You know, one thing that I, I love about your ingenuity, and, and I, a lot of people have no clue about what I'm getting ready to say, but there was a guy named Joe Pilates, and he yep. was a boxer. And here's what's funny. All of the stuff where women are doing Pilates – and all of these workouts, the abs, lower back, hips, pelvic floor, glutes, what have you, that came from a brother that was, uh, you know, that, came, that was a boxer. Now, what, what I love about the way that you think is you've combined yoga and boxing. Yeah. Tell us about what gave you that idea and the, and the reason – give people – the connection because people associate yoga with zenning out and boxing with knocking the crap out of people when in fact these two things have a lot more in common than they have in difference. Tell us oh, about they definitely that. go together. You know, the, but I can't take credit for that. I have to give two people credit, and then I'll tell you why, how I pulled it into the concept. My father, number one, you know, before he let me show up in the gym, I had to do hours and hours and hours of walking. Chopping wood, digging holes, pushing cars, pulling cars, all these things, um, just being focused, getting off to myself, and um, really getting into getting focused to train. Then I could come into the boxing gym and sharpen up by hitting bags. Then I'd go into fighting. And then he'd have me go hiking um, to take a rest from the gym, but I also keep my body going. All these things. Then he'd have me, you know, just come in and stretch, loosen up, 
he'd give me these different exercises to do that, and I don't even know if he knew where they came from, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll reference that later. Um, but my dad is what I call a physical culturist. Um, his thing is all about peaking a person, peaking them in focus, thought, mind, body, everything for one night. And you can build a person to that peak for maybe three or four days, and then it's over um, physically and everything. So then I meet a guy named Anthony DeLulio because I needed some help. How do I bring all this strength training and, and not overworking the body and pe- being able to peak the body, et cetera? How do I bring that indoors to a, a, a fitness club? And Anthony DeLulio, is, he was, he's a textbook physical, physical culturist, and he doesn't teach anything in fitness past 1930. And what he found is when he studied yoga, when he studied Pilates, people did, Joseph Pilates did, like you said, he called it contrology. He did that, and he told me these things. I had to read some books. He, did, he developed contrology so that he could box. He was born with a body that wasn't healthy like ours. Most of us are. Um, so that he could wrestle, so that he could be in the circus, a lot of things he wanted to do. He was even hired by military to rehab soldiers um, using his methods, but, and he was considered a strong man. He could lift his own body weight over his head with one hand, but he did contrology, which we call Pilates now, so that he could do those things. So one doesn't go without the other. It's like boxing, trying to be in the boxing ring without chopping wood, which my dad didn't believe went together. You had to do, some, you had to do those things in order to be in the ring. Then yoga. Why are we doing yoga? Why is it such a fad? And I spoke to Anthony about it, and um, the truth is, the the same people who develop yoga, the same people who did these things, they worked with their hands all the time. They did meditation. They ate certain foods. They did swings, lifts, all these things. They lift stones. They wrestled. Yoga was something that allowed them to recover from this work and do more of it and be better at it. It just wasn't the end all. They didn't just sit around and do yoga all day. There are some people who are masters of it, but it was something that was used so that they, they could do more of these other things. So um, when I go back to so more and more as I was studying with Anthony, I found that a lot of these exercises and way to, ways to focus yourself came from Joseph Pilates' Contrology, textbook exercises. My dad would teach him that just came straight from his book, and also a lot of... Um, ways of thinking about life in general and stretching yourself and everything that came from yoga. And so I said, well, how can I call this a boxing gym where I said you can do everything you need to do to train yourself in this facility if I don't have that, number one. And number two, I know how people are. They get bored with the workout. The body gets bored first, then their mind gets bored second. I had to have something for them to have an active rest away from the boxing so that they wouldn't get bored and and quit. And that's also why I needed to have that. But primarily, I knew since I was young when I saw my dad doing all these things that had nothing to do with throwing a punch that you cannot have one without the other if you're going to be authentic. Um, and that's how they fuse together. But it's my mentors that put it on my mind and then me just holding true to myself and saying that, yeah, I'm going to wing it. I'm going to put yoga and boxing together and see what happens. <laughs> so that, that is fascinating. I wanna, I'm going to uh, digress slightly because uh, in a minute – I want you to uh, tell people how to get in contact and find the gym when they're sure. in the Boston area. But I want to go back to a story. When your dad, everybody thinks that your dad invented this uh, George Foreman grill, but I want to just oh. give a quick, quick little story about it. Uh, I know that they came up uh, to ask your dad to shoot a commercial for about the grill and all that stuff, and your dad was like, you know what, I need my money before I do a commercial, before I do anything. And your mother had started using that grill. This is before your dad had to, did the business deal with these cats to cook his steaks and his asparagus. So one day your mom went and told your dad, you know what, we need another one of these because the thing works great. And your dad went back and told the people that he'd get involved because he wanted 16 of those grills. That's and, right. you know, one for training camp, one in case one gets broke, or, uh, yeah. another one for your grandmother and what have you. But – I'm going somewhere with this. So after th- that, your dad goes into the grill business with some people, over 16 grills, and then they give him half the company. Next thing you know, over 100 million units sold. They made more than $3 billion and all of that. What lesson did you learn, George? What lesson did you learn from that I'm just going to say unorthodox set of circumstances that you could say 
to your to to the to the woman that's listening to this show right now, to the man that's listening about God opening a door in a way that you never believed. In other words, what I'm getting yeah. at is his you know, biggest blessing that he gave to the foreman family was not boxing. Boxing put him in the position, but the reward was give me 16 grills and, okay, I'll sign your piece of paper, and here's later, uh, you know, $1.5 billion in sales. You know what, man? Um, if you ever speak to my father, there's a quote he, he'll give you, and I can't remember the story, but someone told him, I think he was receiving the Horatio Algers Award in the 80s, and he was kind of down on his luck, and he was talking to someone, and the guy told him, he said, look, George, keep doing good, and good will come to you. Very simple. Um, cut to the grill. The one thing about him is, um, and I, I learned this from managing him for the better half of eight years, um, if he didn't believe in it, if he didn't believe that he could give it to a person and turn his back on it and it wasn't going to be good for them, um, that it that it wasn't good all the way around, that he didn't trust it and there was, you know, he wasn't going to associate himself with a product or a person um, uh, as far as, you know, when, when telling someone else to buy this product or buy the service. And so the grill came along, and um, like you said, it, he, you know, great product. I'm not interested. There's other companies paying me tons of money to just show up and smile. And so, you know, the deal happened the way it happened, but, you know, they kept negotiating negotiating, and then they got to where, okay, we're going to give you half the company. Um, still said no. But then he realized, look, this, this product has legs. I want some for myself. I'll give him half a day to shoot an infomercial, right? Um, that's how it all started. But it all goes back to it was authentically something that he used in his own training camps, and he found value in. And also, at the time, was a big time for him to teach his, his, um, his mother how to eat healthy. She had diabetes. Um, how to eat you know, lean protein and put the meals together and make it easy. Um, but my point is, you know, the family, he needed it, the family needed it, and it was obviously something that the world needed. People had to, needed to start grilling and stop frying food, you know? And here he was for years promoting cheeseburgers, and now he had a way to promote something and, and actually feel good about it, you know? That's, that's what made this thing a success. And so what happens when you have a product you believe in that's good, um, if you're a good person, you'll never get tired of selling it. You don't have to read sales one-on-one. You don't have to go to a seminar. You don't have to go on Google and search how to sell or get trained. You don't have to go to, I forget what they call that thing where you go around it. You don't have to, like, sign up for one of these uh, telemarketers, not telemarketers, but, you know, these infomercials that tell you how to build a business and network marketing and da-da-da-da-da. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you find a product that you believe in, it could be just preaching to the good good word to someone um, it could be an apple, uh, a type of food, something organic. It could be a, a gadget, something you invented. Whatever it is, if you really believe in it and there's no, I hope they don't see this, I hope they don't notice that after three months it falls apart, I hope, I hope you know, all, there's no these, I hope this doesn't happen, I hope they don't find out, I hope we, you know, we can't, they don't find out that we can't warranty and in honor, honor our word. If there's nothing like that about the product, you'll never, ever, ever, ever get tired of selling it, and it won't feel like work. And when you speak to people about it, they won't question you. Um, and there's no, like I said, there's no secret to that. Get a product that you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. Learn how to sell, and you'll put a roof on your head. And if there's a market for it, you'll be a millionaire. And so um, that's, I think, what people can learn, um, whether it's something that's nonprofit, whether they want to, go out and help people get into college or get people off the street, whatever. It's a process. It's a product. It's a service. If you really believe in it and you're not just doing it to make money, you're not just doing it to say you're doing something big or whatever, you're not just doing it for a Cadillac or to have a, a certain title on your business card, whatever you're doing, believe in it with all you got. And if it doesn't pass across that finish line, that, that line that doesn't meet that criteria, leave it alone and go get a nine-to-five and enjoy watching football on the weekend. <laughs> uh, and and in this time, you better pick the right team, George. Uh, yeah, otherwise, people are going to catch you. They'll find out. <laughs> yeah, you think? You know, uh, just before I even say that, I, I just want to put an exclamation point on what you're saying. One of the biggest things that we I advocate when I'm teaching people, everyone. Everyone that is born, God put you here for a purpose. You're not here by accident. 
You're not here by accident. And your gift will make room for you, and your talents will bring you before great men. I am one that firmly agrees with every word that you just said. And to all of my folks around the globe, whether you're down in Barbados or you're in Puerto Rico listening to this, believe the first investment you should ever make, ladies and gentlemen, is in yourself and in what God gave you the gift to do. Because if you can't invest in you, why in the dickens should someone else invest in you? <clears throat> with that said, George, tell everybody how can they get in contact with you, where is the gym, what's the website, what's the phone number. Give them all the information they need because I seldom endorse anybody's <laughs> stuff. So if somebody's on my that. show, I endorse them. So I endorse this gym. I endorse the George Foreman family and the brand. So tell them how can they hook up with you. All they need to know to hook up with me is that everybody fights. That's uh, the core ethos of my company, and it's everybodyfights.com, Facebook at Everybody Fights, Twitter, Everybody Fights, everything Everybody Fights. Um, if you want to email me, it's George at Everybody Fights. Um, so just remember that, and it, it shouldn't be hard to remember if you believe that. Everybody fights, and you'll be able to find me. Hey, man, I want to thank you so much for taking your time out to spend the evening with us, and uh, we much love to you. Pops, please tell him I said hello. Much love to your brother, to all the Georges. Uh, I think me and your dad probably need to definitely go and uh, have someone pray over both of us. My Amen. name is in all is in my son's names. His name is in his son's name. So that's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a legacy. Has to start somewhere. Um, hey. Make sure if you see him, ask him about that story. Do good, and good will come to you. Keep doing good. Okay. Hey man, thank you. Love you, brother. Take Thanks care. for taking the time to spend with us tonight. All right. Take care, sir. Thank you. All righty. All righty. Uh, now, before we go, I'm going to – I know I was telling you guys about manifestation, and I definitely want to, again, just say thank you to George Foreman, my, my George Mock, M-O-N-K, Foreman, George III. But let's, let's take this conversation a few steps deeper, and I'm going to give you a couple of these tips so that you can – end up with your George Foreman grill, with your gym open. Uh, even in my brand, you know, I don't, I don't sell a, well, I sell books and I guess some meditation CDs, but at the end of the day, when I looked at going into practice years ago, I wanted to give people the tools that they need to live a profoundly extraordinary life and I wanted people to not keep going to these quack. And I'm not going to say don't go to a psychologist because some of y'all are crazy as hell. You need to go to psychiatrists. And, you know, those of you that, you know, that are scared because a bumblebee was talking to you, look, bees don't talk. You probably are tripping. But bottom line is I needed you, I need you to understand that there's no irrelevant profession. So, you know, psychotherapists, psychologists, life coaches, all that's good stuff. But what I want to say to you is that you have something to offer. And the first step, I and number one, I'll probably finish this on Wednesday's show. We're going to go about five over, Julia. So, but, but the thing is, is first, clear space. Get these blocks out your way that are blocking you from being able to believe in and embrace your greatness. Now, before I said the first step was get rid of the disbelief and admit what it is. Admit if you feel like, you know what, man, being rich is not for me. My daddy was poor. My mama was poor. Okay, well, they were poor. That doesn't mean you got to sentence yourself to that. I have a really dear friend of mine. And, you know, they, they have a fear-based family like many of you have, where they just figured because I'm Hispanic, because I'm black, because I was born on the wrong side of the tracks, throw that crap out of a window. You deserve to be successful. You deserve to be blessed, and you will not get what you deserve until you put your foot down and declare who you are, Okay. The universe is going to allow the Holy Spirit, angels, even people, even your enemies to aid you and to healing 
where you can get where you're supposed to be in this process. Your job is to start asking God to clear the roadblocks that exist in your mind. Ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit to every day. And this is no joke, folks. And when I was saying that thing about redundant prayer, I'm talking about asking for things. But on this redundant prayer, you can do this every day, all day. Ask for guidance. Before I get out the bed every morning, and and I'm being transparent, I thank God that I slept well. I thank God, even if I didn't, that I had some crazy-ass dream that night. Or I thank God that, you know, today is going to be an awesome day, and I open myself up to receive all the good things that are going to come my way that day. And some days I have to look a little harder than I do on others to see these good things. But being honest with you, every day, I have things that I look at and see. I know Julia's going to send me a note in a minute, but I'm going to go ahead and break her out. You know, one thing that she, one thing, one thing she did for me one day, she said, you know, you are really good at what you do. And I counted that as one of my good things. So tell somebody else that. Tell somebody, you know what, you are really good at getting on my damn nerves. No, I'm not. Don't tell them that. But just tell them they are really good at what they do. Acknowledge in other people what you want acknowledged in you, okay? So empower somebody. If somebody you see somebody going to school, stop and ask them, how's it going? I remember this old man. He's, he's deceased now. I went back to school. I was a non-traditional student, and I'm sitting there, you know, this old, old school dude at school, you know. I'm 40. Everybody else is 20. You know, that kind of thing is dropping off, and, I started realizing, you know, this is beautiful because then I saw some cats older than me, right? So I started feeling good about me, and I was like, you know, this is really cool. I'm in school doing my thing, and, you know, I'm I'm making them set the curve on the anatomy and physiology, uh, physiology exams I'm taking. I'm making them set the curves on my psych exams because it wasn't I was so smart. I was just so off into doing my thing. And to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, it birthed greatness in me. The reason why I am one of the best people in America at what I do isn't because I'm better than anybody. It's because I want it more than most people. I want to be a blessing to everyone that buys my books, that listens to this show, that sees me on TV, that's sitting in the audience when I'm speaking to, I don't care if it's 10 people or 10,000 people, I want to impact everybody's life in such a way that they leave there transformed, right? That you have in you about something. It may be cracking jokes. It may be, you know, just like George just told you, Dave Chappelle said, if I could just make a living from being me, that's successful. And that is true. Here's number two. Number two, get clear. Clarity is king when it comes to manifestation. You must have a clear intent for what you want. And you got to call that intention in because nobody, nobody is going to get it for you. You can, uh, as a matter of fact, when you don't know what you want, that's part of what's blocking you from being successful. So when you're sitting there going, well, well, I want to sell shoes. No, I want to sell panties. No, I, I want to make up your doggone mind. You, you cannot do all these different things. You know, and what I do All my books are about changing your life. Every time they have me on TV, I'm talking about love and changing your life. I don't care if I've developed products and tests. It's about making you have a better life, and it's built around love, and not just romantic love, but loving everybody, but especially loving yourself. Okay? The most important step, the most important part of this step is to clarify how you want to feel. You remember what I said, this feelings thing is at the core of manifestation. But clarify how you want to feel from doing what it is that you want to do. And if you focus more on how you want to feel from doing what you do, what you want to do will manifest itself in such a way 
that it will focus on you. In other words, that which you seek is equally seeking you. Anyway, I will give you the other three tips on Wednesday. This has been Conversations with Dr. D. Yvonne Young. And a special shout-out to George Foreman Sr., George Mark Foreman, to my producers, Preston, Julia, Mark. I love you guys. Everybody, have a fantastic week. I love you. Good night.